And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Now, about this professor of yours. How did it feel having him tell you what you can't do? Like he knew he was better than me. Well, then let's show him what you can do. Why is it the words we write for ourselves are always so much better than the words we write for others? Move. Sit. Go ahead. Go ahead and what? Write. What are you doing? I'm writing. Like you'll be when you start punching those keys. Is there a problem? No, I'm just thinking. No. <laughs> no thinking. That comes later. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. The first key to writing is to write. Not to think. This is the Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Cornell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 191. I'm an idiot because I didn't hit record. Uh, we have a guest with us today. Yes, we do. We have an amazing guest today. This person is a two-time Bram Stoker Award winning author, written historical fiction, mainstream fiction, media tie-ins, Ameri- uh, non-fiction for American history textbooks, is, according to Gauntlet, the reigning champion of the modern Southern Gothic. Please welcome Elizabeth Massey. Yay! Thank you. Now that I hit record. Thanks again for, I, I said this off air, but I want to say on here that I want to really, uh, I'm really appreciative of you taking the time to do this. Oh, I'm really happy to do this. This is a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. I usually start at, at how people got to be where they got to be. So give me a little pencil sketch of young Elizabeth Massey growing up in the mighty hills of uh oh okay <laughs> Virginia I'm in Virginia uh, my family's been in Virginia since 1746 so we don't go too far um, my family my, my dad was a newspaper man my mom was a, a watercolorist and a pretty liberal um, family let us you know come and go and paint and raw, write and draw and run crazy and and watch great shows like twilight zone outer limits uh way out you name it those really excellent shows were definitely um an inspiration and they got me going in the right direction um i uh i was always i I actually it was really strange because i would be scared to death 
when I was watching some of the Twilight Zone episodes, and these, we're talking first run on TV, <laughs> and uh, they're, of course, you know, we would go to the movies, and sometimes they would have trailers for really scary movies, such as Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, yeah. and the head, and the brain that wouldn't die, and all these great things, and the, the commercial scared the shit out of me. I mean, to the point where I couldn't go to sleep, and my poor sister, who shared a room with me, had to listen to me suffering in my bed. Um, but for some reason, I was still totally entranced, uh, totally fascinated with the scary. And I think what it was, what really appealed to me were the scary things that had a, a human element to it, such as the movie for the Wolfman, which I saw for the first time as a kid on Shock Theater on a Saturday afternoon. Yes. I mean, the, wolf, the Wolfman's really scary, but what made it really stick with me was like, poor guy. You know, I mean, he's like, somebody help me. He's like, come on, somebody help this guy. You know, he's he's horrible and he's suffering and you know, he turns into this monster and he kills people. So it was it's not just the scare for me or as a kid. It was that human element that not only, you know, it wasn't it, it lasted longer than a scare. It was that deeper. Oh, man, sense. That again, a lot of the Twilight Zone episodes offered, and a lot of the Outer Limits episodes offered. It was it was a story that really had some depth to it. It wasn't just there to scare you; it was there to make you think and feel something. And I think that's why this stuck with me and kind of warped me in the way that I'm warped right now. Well, all the great monsters are are tragic figures, like right. Frankenstein, Mummy, oh, Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like one of them. It, 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 We've talked about this a lot. Where if you're if you're of a particular uh, bent, um, all that stuff, those characters were your friends. They were your buddies, yeah. and and yeah. and they scared you. But yeah, but they, you got them. Exactly. You understood? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that there are horror writers who say that that they had you know that they were they had angry, furious childhoods, and they grew up. You know, wanting to shake their fist at the world, and I—that wasn't me. I mean, we all approach it, and we all got to where we are the way we got to where we, the way we are. And me, I, I actually had a fairly decent childhood, and my parents were great. My my brothers, sisters were great. Um, I mean, we certainly had our struggles, but uh, you know, for me, it was it was TV, and then later on, some books. Mm-hmm. Something that you uh, alluded to earlier. Um, I grew up in a very rural part of the country, and I think I'm the only. I, well, I am. I'm the only member of the family that ever moved away, and some of them have never been on a plane and have never been outside of the state that they live in. Which Why state is that? It's Southern Illinois. It's okay. I, I, I say, you know, whenever you say Illinois, people say, you know, think Chicago and cornfields, but Southern Illinois is completely different. It, yeah, it, it, it's 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 like it's the gateway to the South. It, there's a hound dog uh-huh. on every front porch. Everybody there talks like this. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and um, and I wonder what I wonder what that is. What 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 do you think that is? Why why do we stay so insular in those communities? Uh, why why do we stay that insular? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I never thought that. We, well, but see, the thing is, I grew up in a very small town. And in Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley, which the largest city is many, 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 many miles away. Um, but, uh, gosh, I, you know, I'm absolutely drawing a blank as to why. Maybe it's it's fear, it's culture, it's 
Um, comfort? It's probably comfort is yeah, probably the biggest the, thing. The devil yeah, you know. Yeah, we're comfortable with the yeah what we know and what is outside of what we know is a little scary, and not everybody's willing to uh, walk through that door. It's a big thing to say to your neighbors, "I'm leaving," because yeah. if you have to come back, right? That's yeah. right. That's <laughs> well, and yeah. also when you when you when you step out of that rural environment, the rules are different. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah! Oh yeah! And, and so the game is completely different, and you don't know how to play it. And the things that made sense to you, you wind right. up being Joe Buck, right? In a cowboy, yeah, wide eyed, looking at the sound. Yeah. What? You, uh, no, and and you know, um, I have to admit, you know, talking about the fact that you left and you were the one that left your community. I live four miles from where I was born. Wow! Yeah. That's yeah. Bizarre for me. Yeah, isn't that isn't that insane? Yeah, it, it, it is. I it's like, like I tried to go back. I went back in like 2000. Yeah, and and it just you know that, yeah, no was, way. That, 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 yeah, I couldn't. But couldn't I say. also would think I that, get it. I get that it. I would also think that growing living in the place where you grew up, there you get a depth of oh the sure. place that you just you just don't get otherwise. Which I think comes, that's. That's a point. That's a good point too. Yeah. And I think someone like yourself, that that would is a boon in when you're telling a story it, it, and it you it want that those your, your stellar storytelling. Absolutely. Was and I and I lucked, I lucked out because um, even though the the area where we are is very conservative, my family wasn't and my friends weren't, and so you know it, I think people tend to uh, paint certain regions with a, a paintbrush that. You know, it, it's all the same. You know, everybody there is this way. Everybody there is that way. Um, and that's not true because you can find little pockets of whatever you're looking for if you look for it. Right. And um, I was really lucky to have the family and the friends that I had. And uh, where I am now, I still have family and friends that are, are very, very understanding and very creative and uh, um, not what you would expect when you go to a small Virginia town. And it kind of makes you the odd man out. You kind of become those monsters that you watched when you were a kid in that you don't fit in with the larger community. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, there are people who definitely don't understand what, what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you really ought to write for Red Book. <laughs> but, you know, and, but also, you know, I was a, I was a public school teacher for 19 years. And um, I kind of had to walk a fine line with that because I was writing horror at the time. And... Um, the kids knew I wrote scary stuff, but I would never have brought anything in to share with them. You, you just don't do that. Um, looking not, over, not I am. Looking I can, over I your bibliography, imagine, I think I can, it's going to be a little problematic. I can imagine yeah. the, the look of horror on parents' faces <laughs> when they read a bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the having taught also is what inspired me to write the new the series um, Amerascares, yes. which is a scary a series of scary novels for kids ages 8 to 13 because I taught 7th grade. I taught 7th grade science, which was a hoot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, and I know there is a line that I don't want to cross when it comes to writing for kids like that. Sure. Um, but, I want to, but I want to spook them enough so they're entertained, but not, not throwing a bed type story at them. It's a little too soon. Sure. Well, I like with that series that you're also injecting, you know, historical myth and 
Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. That's always I'll good. We did a, a <laughs> local myth and legend coloring book. Yep. Once upon a oh, time. Cool. And um, yeah, I can send you about a thousand if you like. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Uh, and I'll, uh, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, growing up, did you have a horror host? Like a yeah. giant? Yeah. His name was Bowman Body. I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> oh, come on. And he's got a Facebook page. Uh, okay. I love his name. You know what we're doing after the show. <laughs> and he, he's still alive. <sighs> he's still alive, and he, he would come out of his coffin, sort of like Svengoolie, but he'd kind of roll out. You know, his coffin was laying down, so the poor guy had to crawl out. Um, and uh, oh, he was great. He was great. He had a little, you know, an, a little fake um, makeup scar on his face, and he was bald, kind of like Uncle Fester, and um, just a really, really fun host. And I actually got to meet him a couple of years ago at a at a uh, convention down in Chesapeake, Virginia. And he's a little short guy, and just really friendly. And uh, yeah. So it's Bowman Body. Check him out on Facebook. Bowman Body. All I right. just love the whole culture of the horror hosts. You yeah. know, I just there's a bit of cheese to it that I think no, it's, that it's, is lost these days. You don't oh, have that stuff anymore. We don't have you know the the carnival barkers that we used to have, and that's what mm-hmm. those guys were. Yeah. Come on in, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and I'll, I'll tell you a dumb joke on the way. I remember. Yeah. I remember uh, the old sourdough and Wachi Kanoka on. Uh, <laughs> on Channel Twenty in San Francisco, yeah, they were on every night, and yeah. they were they were showing really? absolute crap. But you know, it was great to tune in. Yeah, I know? think that's why Sven Gulli is popular now. He's trying, you know, it's sort yeah. of st- you know, it's it's a little a little more modern, a little more up to date. The the humor is a little, it's not, it's the the humor is intended to be insanely stupid, and yeah. I think sometimes the old ho- horror ghost uh, ghost. Horror uh, hosts, but they oh. were ghosts too, weren't they? Um, th- I don't think they, I don't think they were as polished. Mm. It was just, it was, it, and that's part of the charm. Yeah, well, and yeah. With the, the things in the background wobbling and almost falling down, and you know the curtains. You need the, zip, the zipper up of the back. You you yeah. you know that all those all those people had like you know five dollars for a budget at whatever local station <laughs> yeah. you, you oh, yeah. were at, and they always held other jobs like weatherman or yeah. sports guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's yeah, a wonder- television channel uh, in San Francisco, Channel Twenty KOFY, that's still doing like a Saturday night monster. It's like a dance party. And it's very cool. <laughs> One of the guys is dressed as a wolf, and his name is Mr. Lobo. Mr. Lobo. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Did you go to um, college and stuff for for Ratten? What? Did you go? <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you? I thought it was how to, how to catch rats. That's yeah. <laughs> um, going to school. Did you go to school to learn to write, or was that something that you learned? Oh, writing. Yes. Writing. <laughs> It's not ratting, writing. I know. <laughs> no, I didn't go to school for writing. I went to school so I could be a science teacher in seventh grade. Um, because I, I was, you know, you, you get a little worried that you'll never make money as a writer. And um, I actually had a slight practical side to me. And that's why I went to uh, college and got my degree and, and taught for 19 years. But I continued to write, you know, as I was teaching. And... Um, after 19 years, I figured it was time to take the plunge, and I quit, and I jumped off that swinging bridge and landed on my feet, which was lucky, 
of course, you know, there have been a lot of uh, ups and downs, but um, doing okay. Yeah, I'm selling stuff and writing and having a great time. Your your first story, your first professional story was published in 1984, right? Uh Uh-huh. And how many rejection letters did you get before that happened? None. Man. None. I like that story. Yeah, that's a good that's a <laughs> good story. Yeah. I, like and, and, yeah, I mean the thing was I, it was a total surprise because I got the acceptance letter on my birthday uh, along with a check for 2 bucks. Wow. Was, wow. Oh baby, it was big time. And because it was a very short story, it paid a quarter cent a word and it was the horror show magazine by Dave Silva. Um and it was great. I mean, wow. And then I sent another story in within the next six months, and he bought that. And then I sold, sent another story in, and he rejected it, and it kind of stopped me right in my tracks. Like, what the hell? You're wait like, a wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. You I, can't do this to me. <laughs> I, I got lucky with the very first, my, the first submission was, uh, Stephen King said, submit to the men's magazine, so I did. Right. Oh. Um, Swank bought my first thing, yeah. and no one Ooh. bought anything for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they hook you. It's like a casino. The first time it's, you go in, you yeah. win. And it's then, a freaking drug. Yes. It's a drug. Yeah, I get it. That's hilarious. I still have the check, though. <laughs> you did it. How much did you get? Uh, it was a. It was. It was about a guy who had sex with his TV set. So I need to say that at, at the outset. <laughs> okay. Five hundred bucks. Whoa. Whoa. I know, and I thought this is easy money, right? <laughs> and then. You didn't cash that. No, I did. Oh, yeah, oh, but I made a copy of it. Back, back and you kept it. I get it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I get I'm, it. I'm neurotic, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, how, that, which brings up something I'm, I, I'm curious about. How important do you feel in, in, within the modern um, literature, li- literary landscape? Uh, I'm losing my train of thought. How important? Um, how important is is it to submit to these to periodicals like let's say Cemetery Dance or or whatever? I don't even know what some of the magazines What's out that are there out there now. Room Org, Room Org, or what have yeah. you, as opposed to going just saying having the hubris of someone like me who goes, I'm just going to do a collection and here you go and put in and out through whatever means that you have. Does that make sense? Is there a question in this? Yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of a question, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really, you know, I've come to realize after all these years that anything I say is is true is going to be challenged and found to be probably not quite as true as I think it is. So I really hesitate to say that anything is more important than another. However, said that, with that said, Personally, I would never try to put out a collection without having had some sales with the periodicals or or um, anthologies. I just I think you, I think nowadays you know it's so hard to rise above because there's so many people mm-hmm. writing. Yeah. I mean, everybody and his mother is a writer now. Everybody and his mother is a is a photographer. Everybody and his mother is an artist because the ability to produce and to share your stuff is right there at your fingertips. Um, so I think for, to be taken seriously, whatever the hell that means, um, but uh, to be to be noticed and to have your work promoted by other people 
or to be reviewed, I think you really do need to get some sales under your belt before you try to, you know, self-publish your first collection of, uh, you know, horror stories about ants and, and spiders and whatever. <laughs> Anyway, so that's just my two cents. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get, I, I get you. And when, I, when I say the, the hubris, uh, I had had stuff published before. Now. Well, you, so, you, so, yeah. well, you had, you had done the magazine, and yeah, you had yeah. had stuff published and other stuff. Um, you know, earlier, uh, uh, Tom was uh, during the introduction um, saying that somebody had called you the reigning champion of. Uh, Southern Let's get it right. Let's uh, get it right. The queen. Yes, yes. The, <laughs> the reigning queen of uh, American Southern Gothic stories. And that begs the question, because it's something that we all hear when we're, uh-huh. we're, when we're learning storytelling, is yeah. write what you know. Right. Um, and do you think that that... What's your take on that? Write what you know. Do you... Do you think that that's correct? Do you think I started out writing almost exclusively Southern horror. Um, Sin Eater is Southern horror. Wire yeah. Mesh Mothers is Southern horror. Welcome Back to the Night is Southern horror. Most of my short, fi- early short fiction was Southern horror, um, and I did that because, again, I know what I, you know, I, I wrote what I knew, as in the areas, the people. Um, but then again. The more I wrote, the more I realized that there's some things that are just universal wherever you want to stick them, and uh, so I expanded. I, you know, I, I'm, I've written um, novels set in Coney Island in New York in the early 20th century. Um, it, it, I think, as the more you write, the more you learn, and then that expands what you know, and so what you write expands. Um, there's not there's not been a single book or short story I've written that I haven't researched something and learned something new, which opens that door up at a little a little wider, and that allows me to more comfortably write about other things. Um, I, I didn't know anything about I, I didn't really know much about um, the Tudors, for example, and um, yeah, I did the the. Um, novelizations for the miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, they gave me some scripts, but the scripts were very bare bones. You know, the king comes in, he says blah blah blah. The queen says blah blah blah. They go outside, they do blah blah blah. Um, and there was a little description, but I had to research the hell out of that. And again, that's something that I learned. And now that I know some of that information, I might use that information in another book. Um, so you know, the more you write, and the more you research, and the more you learn. What it is you know expands, and so you, you do end up writing what you know, but it grows as the more you, you know, the more you write, the more it grows, and the more it expands. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Absolutely. Uh, I have a question about um, how important is music to you in your process? About when you're while you're writing, do you write to music? I often do. Yeah. Does it have words or not? No. Words, I'm, I'm so musically, um, I'm, I'm so tuned into music that if it's got words, I'm just going to sit there and sing along. I cannot mm-hmm. listen to music with words. But there's so much great instrumental music. I have uh, a number of Pandora stations and things on my iTunes that I listen to. And um, it really helps put me in the mood. Do you Do you find yourself choosing music that 
um, either reflects the work that that, that you're working on, or at, at, at least puts you there. Like for example, if I'm writing, um, if I'm writing a screenplay about, say for example, something that's Southern Gothic, Southern horror, I don't want to listen to a, something with a bunch of synthesizers. Right. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know how, how. I don't think I spend a whole lot of time thinking about it, but I know, you know, with the different stations I have and my different iTunes um, playlists, I know what things are going to put me in what mood, and and um, so I'll I'll just pick from there. Yeah, I've I've got a really nice uh, uh, bunch of music ready to go, depending on the scene I'm writing, the mood I want to evoke. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll just listen to music, and and I'll come up with ideas out of out of uh, thin air. Just listening to music. Oh sure, blue sky in it. Just looking out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, do you remember your last uh, record purchase <laughs> of any kind? Like a record. That's such a cute word. I know. I'm old. Stop. <laughs> what? I like that. iTunes or whatever. <laughs> oh, lots of records. You mean <laughs> the okay? What was good heavens? What was the last thing I bought? I mean, you mean actually go to a store and buy or buy? Oh no, you've been on iTunes. Oh, thank you. Okay. I'm just trying to get an idea of your musical. Oh taste. gosh, my mu- I tend to not go with really hard edge music. I I think probably the last thing I bought was um, a Bill Douglas. CD. Nice, jeez. You know, you know Bill Douglas? Music? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I used to be a Jazz New Agent soundtrack buyer for Tower Records for ten years. So yeah, I I know Bill Douglas really well. All right. Yeah, right. he's great. He is great. Wow, I, yeah. that blew me back. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't Bill Douglas. God damn. Oh, um, cool. I want to ask you also about. Um, Say going back to that blue sky thing about your, okay. your you got your music on you're looking out the window and you're just kind uh-huh. of wool gathering, right? An idea strikes you, whatever it may be. How, how do you? I always look at those ideas as big, dangerous beasts that have, have now come through the door, and I have to sort of circle them and get an idea of how dangerous, the extent of how big it is. Is uh-huh. it a, is it a short? Is it a novella? Is it gonna? Is this gonna be something I need to? Does it have a soft underbelly exposed <laughs> that you can attack? So I want to get your idea about how how you address all of that. Okay, when I come up when when something strikes me and I'm sitting at my computer in particular, I'll just pull up a blank file and I'll just start typing ideas that you know none of them really make much sense it can be just a word it may be a phrase it may be a description of something it may be a name um, maybe a location um, and then I just type them all up and then put it aside and then look at it later and see if I can start piecing together something um, I, I just it, it, nothing it, things don't usually hit me fully formed although sometimes they do and it's I love that when it happens um, but um, usually it's just gathering um, a bunch of um, disjointed images and putting them down and seeing, okay, what now do I do with this? Um, but the, the big question I ask myself, which is what most writers, I would think, ask themselves, once I have all these little tidbits is, okay, to have a story, you have to have a problem. You can't have a uh, can't have a, pro- a story without a problem. Looking at all this stuff, what kind of problem would arise from all these little weird notes? And if so, how do I deal with the problem? Who's going to deal with the problem? 
will there be a solution or will there be an attempted solution? And then I go from there. Cool. So it's, it's situational. It's, it's like the, the idea springs from, okay, this image plus this image plus this thought plus this song yeah, yeah. equals... And, and uh, where is the problem with all this? You know, right, what kind of yeah. problem, what kind of problem does it's like looking at the clouds? You, know, you see the different things. Okay, I see all these kind of things. Okay, now there's a problem here. You know, how how do all these things fit together uh, to define a problem that needs to be solved? Sure, this cloud looks like a bunny. This cloud looks like a badger. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, is got the a story? Problem. That's, you got yeah, a problem. exactly. Yeah, problem. Are, yeah. Are you a polisher? Like, do you can go through your narrative again and again and again? Are you like a, I set four edits and I'm done? Um, if, if Okay, when I have a deadline, I will definitely polish until the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, you know, some deadlines are much longer than others. When Years ago when I did a Buffy novel, they gave me three months. That's not very long to write a novel. No. And so my polishing was... Uh, was kind of limited um but hey you know you give me the time i'm going to keep going back and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking um and and i know it, it, after a while it's like that stop you know cut that out um leave it alone yeah that's yeah, the hardest yeah. right yeah. it's like figuring out yeah. like, Let me like go. i had a uh an interview i did for vango with clive he had said the best you can hope for is a snapshot of where your head was at then yeah, and then put all of the energy into your new idea. Right, like, this yeah. is this is going to be yeah. as good as it's going to get because yeah. otherwise you end up like me, where you're working on the same project <laughs> for ten years. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what happens with my case is I'm never working on a just on just one project. I'm always I always have at least three projects going. <clears throat> so you know, sometimes tweaking is just a way of getting out of the other one. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm need to take a break for this. Ooh, let me go tweak this thing. Yeah. Um, and it gets me away from the other one. And when I come back to the other one, I have a fresh eye because I've been away from it for a little while. Although, you know, th- again, there's there are times when things come, and I, I mean, they're just very recently within the last two three weeks, I wrote a short story in a day, which is rare for me, and I didn't want to tweak it at all because I really liked the way. It went in the way, it, but the problem is, it's not a horror story. I don't know what the hell it is. It's called Lucky and Poop Tail. Lucky and, and Poop Tail. Poop Tail. <laughs> poop Tail is a steer, and Lucky and Poop Tail are stuck in a in a in a barn owned by these really um, these really nasty, clueless rich people, and they take their little revenge out on them. So I guess in a way it is a horror story, but I had a ball with Lucky and Poop Tail. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't want to tweak because I loved the way it turned out. So I just put it away and said, okay, do not touch. Do not touch. I've heard of people that will do that, put their stuff into a box with a post-it note that says, like, do not open till Christmas. (laughs) Right, yeah. And forces themselves to leave it alone. It's it's true, man. Like, like, and it doesn't matter if it's a painting, if Mm -hmm. it's writing, if it's Mm -hmm. any creative endeavor, if you put it away... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you come back, you lie, and then baby. you either then you're either like, oh my god, what was I thinking? Or <laughs> you're like, holy crap, this is good, you know? Yeah. Right. Or there's enough here that I can yeah, make yeah. it into something. Yeah. Good. Um, how do you deal with the isolation of writing? I don't 
worry about it because um, I don't feel isolated because I have a husband who's an illustrator and he loves to read my writing and I love to look at his art so we share ideas. I have a sister who's a writer and she lives next door. I have friends. I don't know if you know uh, Matthew Warner. Um, he lives in Stanton. He's a he publishes horror. You know, mm-hmm. we get together on occasion. Keith Minion, who's an illustrator and a writer, he lives in Stanton. They're very close. So I don't feel isolated at all. I actually, I have a wonderful community. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, your husband's Courtney Skinner, is that correct? Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check out his stuff, people. Yeah, do it. He's good. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Scaryville Town. <laughs> okay, well, um, hmm. Um, I think most people who like to do creative things do more than one thing, whether they write and do music or write and sculpt or write and draw or paint um, or dance or act or whatever. I think, you know, creative people tend to enjoy creative ventures. And so one of my creative I'm calling creative within quotes you can't see my air quotes but they're there um, is my Skippyville Town collection of they're like cartoon monsters and they're pretty light hearted you know there's three eyed devil cat there's um, there's Boo Boy who's a ghost there's Wolfie who's a wolf man there's Ratty who's a rat gee that's original name um, and, and I just you know I just like draw oh and I do little you know Cartoon zombies and cartoon zombie hippies and I mean, you know, just anything that kind of strikes my mood. Man, that's scary. A zombie hippie. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, just I know like a joke, that. and I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> Mon- zombie Mon- hippies, they walk Mon- around Mon- saying green. Zombie hippie. Say again? I said Monica O'Rourke. You probably know her. Um, she just she just bought my latest zombie hippie picture. So nice, nice, very nice. cool. Um, Elizabeth, do you write every day? Yeah. Well, yeah. except when I'm on a vacation and and sick. Well, I guess I guess that begs the question: <laughs> Is writing for you then a job? Yes. Or, it, or is it something that you just do? Yes, both. Okay. In other words, I have to make a living, so I write. That yeah. it's my full time job. Right. It's the um, it's a mom quote, right? About inspiration. I only write when I'm inspired, but inspiration hits me every day at nine a.m. Nine a.m. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you can't. I can't wait until I'm inspired. You have to force it sometimes. Sometimes, you know. And when I say I write every day, that doesn't mean I produce a ton of pages. It may mean I only write a couple of paragraphs because I'm just, you know, my brain is not going where I want it to go. But um, I do write. I'll say I'm right most days because every once in a while I'll take a day off, but not very often. And um, yeah, sometimes you just have to force it. But what what works is that once you, even if you write something that you're not inspired and you write something that's really shitty, at least you have something that you can go back and fix. Mm-hmm, sure. I mean, if you don't have, if you have that blank page or that blank screen staring at you, that's that's a struggle. That's, so yeah. just write thing, even if it comes out and you're going, that is the worst thing ever, at least you've laid some tracks, mm-hmm. and you can go back and you can readjust them, and you can and you can tweak them, and you can either throw them away or keep going, but but um, you know, anybody that has the luxury to wait for the muse to inspire, well, that good for you, I'm happy you have luxury, but I don't, because but, I'm a 
I'm an in the trenches, you know, working for a living gal. Yeah. And when you consider that the the quote unquote finished product is an amalgam of voices of every time that author took where his head was at when he took a pass through it. So it's mm-hmm. not just this, this that solitary voice is actually a mixture of his voices right. blended into a chorus at the end that gives you your finished Ooh. product. So I That's think that that, I, <laughs> that so I think that um uh it's okay if your first draft sucks because you're oh, going to yeah. wherever I I always think about <clears throat> about it like building a house. Your story is your foundation. Right. Your first draft is framing. It just if you have mm. enough to make someone be mm. able to go, yeah, I guess it's a house. Sure. With every pass, you're going to be you're adding things, it. you're refining the way things you're adding. Right. And as I say, when you're when you're down to like adjusting picture frames, you're kind of done. Um, <laughs> but I, yes, yes. Good point. Yeah. But I think it's a, it's, it's it's weird because we as writers, we get hung up and we want this whatever we put onto paper to be to be right, yeah, and and oftentimes I'm, that hobbles us into inactivity. Yes, it does it does? And and who's looking over your shoulder? Nobody. Um, you know, you're looking over your own shoulder. So you know, knock yourself off your shoulder and just keep going. Yeah, I do I, remember one time watching some talk show, and there was some, and this is slightly off. Well, it's sort of the same thing. Um, there was this writer who I don't even remember but she was a big name at the time it was probably 10 years ago and she oh she was oh so she was oh so you know what I mean <laughs> and, and and the question was you know they were asking her about her writing she says well you know some the, the, I, I, I struggled over a single word for four months Ugh. before I get on I thought screw you I mean yeah. huh on. I mean, again, that's back to the luxury of being able to struggle over a word for four months. Right. Um, and and when you get to that point, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'd ever even want to get to that point. I mean, no. I, I, well, no. well, first of all, the person that says that, I don't want to hang out with them and have a beer. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> and and second of all, like. If you if you struggled over a word for like X amount of time, then yeah. you're not that good of a writer. <laughs> well, I, I would, I would you know, <laughs> it was like she really thought that showed how creative she was and how how concerned oh, she was. Yeah. She was so concerned that she got oh. it right. But anybody I think who is a writer who would hear that would go, oh, give me a break. Well, it's like I'm looking for the perfect word. It's like here, here's a thesaurus. Here's yeah, exactly. a bunch of them. <laughs> Pick one. Pick, pick one and go with it. Because <laughs> odds are that reader isn't gonna. He's gonna blow by that word that you don't. That you're spending of so course. much time on. Of course. Oh, but she was so artistic. You know. <laughs> we call that around here up our own ass. Uh, or <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that, that's good. Yeah, up our <laughs> own ass or a lot of lipstick. We yeah, have, yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious about collaboration. Mm-hmm. You've done a bit of it, a little bit, little bit. How did you find bit. that experience? Oh my God, I, I I have to stop for just a second. Okay. You just said a little bit. Yeah. Uh, was that not good? Oh no! Brought no, no, no. home. You just, you just you just brought me home. <laughs> <laughs> Are you back in Southern Indiana, Illinois? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Go ahead. Go. <laughs> okay. All right. What gonna, was that thing? Collaboration. Was that? Collaboration. Oh yes. 
Okay, um, my main collaboration was with Mark Rainey. Do you know him? No. Mark Rainey? Okay, he has been a writer for a long, long time. And um, I had been asked by, I, can't, I think it's Harper Entertainment, I think it was, to write a Dark Shadows novel based on the old soap opera from back in the 60s, or mm-hmm. late 60s. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I really wanted to do it, and so I knew Mark was also a fan, so I called him up, and he was like, shit, yeah. So he lives in North Carolina. He drove up to my house and spent a weekend, and I was still a teacher at the time, so I went, no, I wasn't, I'm sorry, I wasn't still a teacher, but I still had connections to the school, the local school. So I sneaked over there, and I stole some bulletin board paper, that really big, long paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, big hunk of it and I brought it home and I laid it out on the living room floor and we made a timeline and we basically plotted out the novel on that long piece of paper on the floor and uh, he decided he you know it was good. the book was going to be um, the, the story was going to be revealed by two main characters and he was going to write one I was going to write one and we'd alternate chapters so we wrote the whole thing we figured the whole thing out then he went home and then we would just send each other I'd write a chapter send it to him he'd read it and then know where to pick up then he'd send his to me I'd know where to pick up and we would occasionally make suggestions as to how to better blend what we were doing but what really worked is because he was doing the voice of main male character I was doing the voice of the main female character and uh, it came together really well and it was a pleasure working with him I also did a collaboration with Alan Clark do you know Alan Clark? Oh yeah 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 yeah, Alan Clark is, is he's a great guy, so creative. And um we wrote a book called Dee Dee Murphy Secret Policeman, um, which is insane. And it was inspired by I'm not gonna say who <laughs> but uh, it was inspired by someone we met at a convention who was just a little bit wackadoodle. And uh we thought, Well this guy's gonna make a great character so we we it, it's about a man you know in in a nutshell a man who is so delusional that he thinks he's a secret policeman for the government and so uh, he, and he gets these weird messages and he has to go solve crimes of course every crime he solves makes things worse and uh so we alternated chapters and each one was a case that the secret policeman had taken on and that worked very well so in those two cases the collaborations were a lot of fun a lot of work Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of fun. And luckily, uh, Mark and Alan and I, none of us have major egos. So, you know, anybody saying, hey, you know, this isn't working. We were fine. You know, we were fine with it and consider what, what was being uh, said and, and uh, maybe worked it into what we were doing. By the way, the, the, the thing that you did, uh, the Dark Shadows thing is called Dark Shadows Dreams of the Darks for people who want yes, to check that's it out. Well. And the other one is D.D. Murphy, uh, Secret Policeman, 2009. Tom and I had an encounter with one of those people the other day. Oh, um, yes, at, we did. Yeah, at teaching, uh, uh, training in the park, uh, a guy came up to me and started telling me all these stories about um, his life as the te- uh, as, I'm sorry, the tweaker whisperer. Oh my! And, uh, yeah, wow. he worked for the CIA and the FBI and a whole bunch of stuff. And it did occur to me at the time. I'm like, there's a there's a wealth of stories here. You oh know, yeah! Um, no kidding. It, it's sad and it's tragic because you're. you're it talking, is. You're talking to somebody with. Um, I know. A mental illness. I but, know. But, but but oh my gosh, there's so much there. There is. Yeah. 
stuff that we would never think of, you know. <laughs> and again, and again, with the book we wrote, we weren't making fun of the guy who inspired it. No, we were taking him as an inspiration and creating a new character and letting the guy go crazy. Well, literally and figuratively, go crazy. And yeah, so yeah, it's it is a funny line to walk because I would never want to make fun of people with mental problems. But but with Dee Dee Murphy, he's he's a fictional character, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's the writer's revenge, right? Yeah, the, it's the the jerk you meet that you go, oh yeah, you're definitely going to show up in tomorrow's into words. A story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about a bed. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I know. Here we go. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. For people listening, yes. That statement does not refer we, to a bed. No. That it, We've it, talked it, about her, uh, Elizabeth's story of bed <laughs> on this show many, many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, at one point, it was made into a film. 2000, 2012, it was made into a short film. Oh. Yeah. Short film yeah. by Jenny Lasko, Ryan Lesky, and the the great Philip Nutman. Yeah. Um, and if you get it right, it's, it's Ryan Lisky. It rhymes with whiskey. Ah, okay, okay. Okay, good, good, good. So, I got to tell you, one one of the five stories I hand to people when they lo- they ask me for effective fiction. Um, riveting. And oh, wow. Thank you. I the story itself I I couldn't believe and I don't mean this the probably the way it's going to sound, but when I saw that it was written by a woman, I thought, "Wow." I mean, but then it made absolute sense because it was the fact that you're a woman informed so much of that piece and, and showed us the vulnerability and and of the situation and of the character that is just some of the best writing out there. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I've, I've had people say that, you know, you get a lot of strange reactions when you have a story like that published, especially when it comes out as a film. But, but when it was first published, um, you know, I had people say, oh, you're really sick. Well, no. no, I see. I mean, it's great. It's very graphic, but it's to me, it's a really sad love story. It's a really disgustingly creepy, sad love story. And well, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go farther than that and say that it it also speaks to things like familial obligation and yeah. and, and our ties to our her her heritage and our and our and yeah. our lineage right. and and it says so much. And I just think that the that what you nailed was like that gulp before, like okay, <laughs> I guess this is happening. <laughs> yeah, it, it happened. It happened. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the the the, the praise for that. I, that that means a lot. Thank you. And I want to talk. Uh, about yeah, it, it was interesting to write, you know, because uh, John Skip had said, "Hey, you know, we've got this anthology coming out. You know, I want you to blow me out of the water." So I said, "Okay." Um, <laughs> it's going to be a zombie anthology. Let's see what I can do. And uh, so, I, honestly, I don't know what the inspiration was for it, except his his challenge. And I remember he said that he read it on the plane going back to California, and he said he needed an airsick bag, but in the best of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it's amazing, and it is it. I think it also. I think it speaks to. Um, where you come from, and yeah, and, and, and yeah, because absolutely, w- wow, that desi- that desire to have that back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this interview, the the desire to have that human element, not just the scare, 
definitely not just the gross, because to me, if a story is just gross, it's not horror. It's right. gross. That's gross. Um, um, yeah, um, but I, I really want to infuse as best I can the human element, so not only do people feel a scare, but they feel a, a, some kind of connection. Yes. And Ryan nailed that as well with the short. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just that sense that all the, from the grayness of everything to just the look of the place. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's, I, it's amazing. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the best things I've ever read. Um, I also, I also oh. want to ask you about work, working and knowing Phil. We, I did a podcast oh. with, Pil, with Phil for about a year. Uh-huh. And it was one of the best and uh, most infuriating experiences <laughs> of my life, um, which kind of yeah. summed him up. I remember a, a night at Crypticon sitting knee-to-knee with him in a, in a hotel room, and I don't even remember what was said, but I just remember leaving that place going like, I just met her. That guy is a writer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tell me a little bit about your experience with Phil. Oh, gosh. Well, I met Phil uh, probably in the early 90s at a convention in in uh, Rhode Island called Nikon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very small convention, but it, it attracts a lot of wonderful writers, and it's, it's, like, adult, it, it's like adult summer camp. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was never really a close, close friend with Phil, but he was always so friendly and so charming and, uh, and so funny. It's, God, when he got drunk, holy shit. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I'll never forget because you said we can say just about anything. Absolutely, on this show. yes, you uh, can. I'll never forget one one evening. Um, he was he was just sitting there. We were at Nikon and the little you know people eating eating soggies over the grill and it's getting dark and and he's drunk and he starts talking about I've got to tell you about the most amazing bell job I ever had. She had a <laughs> get a purple dress on and we were on the bus and oh she just gave me this amazing bow job and I thought what's a bowl job I thought I thought she, she meant she cut hair like Mo in the Three Stooges I, I, I it just <laughs> anyway so that's Phil yeah um, but extremely <laughs> extremely creative extremely driven Mm-hmm. And um, got a lot of things going, and um, he was just always so so nice to me, mm-hmm. um, and so friendly. And yeah, it, it was really sad to lose him the way he, we lost him. The um, the podcast that we did together, we had him on for, to do a thirteen episode primer on the American Western. <laughs> and then and then he wanted to do musicals but he didn't know anything about musicals (laughs) (laughs) and i love that so much uh one one final phil story at a con he doesn't show up for a panel i go to his room he's asleep i rouse him i drag him downstairs and i push him onto the dais and he grabs the mic and just slays the room just (laughs) <laughs> murders the room for an hour and then hands oh me the God. mic and goes, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. Rest in peace, Phil. That's, oh, that's, that is so Phil. That would be so Phil. Uh, tell me about Sin Eater. The, the, di- did it have its... I, you had mentioned things like Twilight Zone and before. Did it have any sort of... Uh, a seed from there was a Sin Eater episode of Night Gallery with Richard yeah, Thomas. I don't yeah, know if you ever saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I, I 
I didn't even know that that episode existed until I had written Sin Eater. Oh, okay. And I have had a number of people asking me if that was the inspiration for the novel, but it was actually something on TV, but it was not it was not Night Gallery, it wasn't The Twilight Zone, it was a made-for-TV mo- movie with Lindsay Wagner playing a nurse in the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, dude! I, God, I can't remember the name of it, but oh my I God! I, you, were, you saw it! Yes, you saw I, it! Yes, I saw and it! Has, yeah, and there was this minor character of the Sin Eater who she saw through a window and it was asking who he was and they basically just explained that this poor outcast was the Sin Eater and that was it. The rest of it was just her trying to get past the, you know, the the traditional medicines that weren't always working and trying to introduce modern medicine to these poor folks. And I, but I kept thinking about this guy that she saw out the window and I thought he needs a novel all to his own. He needs a yes. story. I need to Develop something from this guy, and that's the, that was the seed for the novel. Uh, and it's because the whole vibe of it is so in your wheelhouse, right? It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's rural. <laughs> oh yeah. it's, it's folklore. Yeah. It's, it's it's mountains. Yep, yep. Good stuff. You betcha. You betcha. Langley's feverishly looking. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring over IMDb now because you just brought back a memory that I had completely forgotten. <laughs> Did you find it? Did you find the name of it? No, nice. I'm, still, I'm scrolling. <laughs> Just Lind- Lindsay Wagner, Appalachia nurse. Lindsay, it, it, Lindsay Wagner's a lot busier than we realize. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love uh, Desperate. Your book, Des- 2013 book, Desperate Hollow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My notes here say immortality moonshine. How far off am I? You're right. You're right. Great, Granny Mustard. Wanted to live forever. So she came up with a recipe for immortality moonshine. But then she died. And so her granddaughter, Janky Mustard, had to take over. But Janky screwed it up. And she ended up creating some zombies that she locked in the back of her trailer up in the mountains. And all may- uh, mayhem ensued. That's the, that's the novel in a nutshell. Oh, we! I need this in my I, life. I, I need to see this. Yeah, I, <laughs> I need, need this book in my life yeah, so yeah, bad. <laughs> so exciting. Um, uh, how do you feel when you see your work? I'm going to do more air quotes. Interpreted to audiobooks, and you're not the reader. Do you enjoy that uh, process? Oh, I, I, I do because. Um, I like to do readings when I'm at conventions. I like to read a short story or two, but I could the, the thought of me narrating one of my own novels, I, I, I would just screw it up big time. And I've been so lucky, especially with um, Nick Santa Maria, who um, narrated Jesper Hollow. He narrated Hellgate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he narrated. Oh God, I can't remember. I think he did one more, but he is amazing, and I'm so happy to hand that chore over to somebody who's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are there are small snippets of it, um, both of those on um, YouTube. Yeah, you found it. Uh, uh, I think we're talking about the incredible journey of Doctor Meg Laurel. What? <laughs> so what? <laughs> yeah. The Lindsay Wagner film. Oh, thank you. Really? Is that what it's called? I think so. 1932, she goes from Harvard, she goes to the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, that's probably it. It reminds me... Do you remember that movie? The name's but I'm sure you're right. Do you remember that movie Songcatcher? 
No. About the lady that goes into the Appalachian Mountains and to record um, folk songs. Oh, I heard about it, but I didn't see it. Oh my God, you got to see it. It's so good. Okay. You're the I have no idea what you're talking about. Sidecatch <laughs> <laughs> um, is amazing. What are you talking about? Uh, uh, yeah, I had I I had one of my books done as an audio book, and the best part was getting the audition of people reading stuff. Sure. The different interpretations yeah. and hearing different actors. Well, you know, you were talking like about, uh, uh, you know, if it if it bothered you to have somebody else reading your words. Not at all. Not at all. I think um, now I think it was Joe Jeffrey who did Sin Eater too. He did a really good job. So I think it's only been those two who have uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to have them do my books. What? You know, chosen by the publishers, of course. Mm-hmm. Sure. What I find amazing is that, like, if somebody like like. Like if I write a screenplay, and then it's given over to the production, then I'm so surprised because I hear you know I'm hearing things a certain way in my head, right? And then I see what these other people uh, are, uh, you know, uh. how the, how they're interpreting it. Yeah, and sometimes it's better. Not good. Well, no, better. Well, sometimes sometimes it's better. Yeah. Than is is that a part of your processes of having your stuff read back to you? Me? Yes. Oh, you mean have other someone else read to me? No, I, I no. Do you read aloud? <laughs> no. Sometimes I do. Yeah, because okay. I, you get a really a sense of the flow when you do that. But I don't have people read it aloud to me. I would read aloud my own things to <laughs> At me. Gunpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to back to the point about the the having um, someone else with a screenplay, like you said, having other people. You know, take over and start reading and, and, and sharing your words, or, or in my case, having someone read a novel. I think if you, I think people who haven't been in the business very long may be a little more protective, but I'm at the point now, I've done this so long, I, I, I appreciate things that uh, it's a collaboration. When someone else takes and then reads, you know, it becomes a collaboration. And I'm, I'm happy for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. That, it's, it's what keeps it fresh. You know, it's yes, like, absolutely. Yeah, and it's the oddest kind of collaboration because you had nothing to do with one another. I mean, other than they're reading right. your stuff, here's, it's like here's you have this. no influence mm-hmm. on it or what have you. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was just hilarious to me to hear a lot of different people say the f word again. <laughs> <laughs> David, David at Crossroad Press goes, "Was there a piece of the text you want them to read?" And I go, "Yeah, exactly, an exact piece I want them to read." How your, <laughs> I um, just want them to say "fuck" over again and, over and again. again. Um, <laughs> Uh, how is your, your some of your books are available through Crossroad, correct? Right. Yeah, and quite a few of them at this point. Yeah. How great is David? Oh, he's D- David's wonderful. I've known him for he. Gosh, I've known him longer than I knew uh, Phil. Um, I believe I met him at Nikon. Um, a lot of connections made at Nikon. Uh, probably in the late '80s, maybe when we met. Um, and uh, he's been to my house. Um, you know, I visited him down south, and um, it's you know it, we've met at Virginia Beach. It's sort of like a, a you know a place that's easy for him to get to when we've been on vacations. You know, he's come up. But uh, yeah, Dave's great. Um, he's real easy to work with. He's very talented. He's very uh, sharp when it comes to um, what works and what doesn't work. And um, but also you know gives me a lot of wiggle room. Mm-hmm. We especially because you know you know some some of the books I have through him are reprints. Um, Sin Eater, gosh, this is probably the fifth edition of Sin Eater um, because it you know came out in England first, and it came out in hardcover by Carolyn Graff, and it came out um, Leisure, then it came out from Simon and Schuster, and now it's out from Crossroad. Um, but um, 
as to the original novels with him, he you know he's the one who's originally publishing or, or the uh, the new um, improved Ameriscares. Mm. Um, oh, and great. he he's, he gives me a whole lot of uh, uh, wiggle room with that. He trusts my instincts when it comes to writing for younger readers. Yeah, yeah. I David has been so great. I've, I've mm-hmm. been with Crossroads since 2010. And oh, wonderful. He, he's been super supportive, even when I, uh-huh. like, there was a while there where I had, like, a big writer's block thing. And he was very patient. And he's published things that, um, in short story collections that I, even now I think were ill-advised. <laughs> <laughs> but... Without, he, I've never gotten a note back that said, like, I think this is too severe, I think this is that, this uh-huh. or that. Uh-huh. Nothing but support from the man. That's awesome. Anyway. Yeah, and the nice thing that we know, though, his support is based on, or based in, I should say, knowledge of the business, knowledge of what's good, knowledge of what will sell, and it's not just, oh, anything's fine, because with Dave, anything's not fine. He'll only, you know, he, he will only go with what he knows is good. And so... When he approves something, you can feel pretty darn confident that it's good. Mm, yeah. That, I, <laughs> Tom's looking. I'm, I'm now. I'm looking <laughs> out the window, listening to what you were saying. Um, I Elizabeth, as so often happens with um, each of these episodes, um, listeners come to me later and they're like I, I I have no idea who this person was I still <laughs> want I still want to check out their stuff if cool. I was going to direct uh, a new reader of yours to uh-huh. a starting place where should they go in your opinion as to which book yep okay I would say if they like Southern Gothic, which I am the reigning queen. This is true. <laughs> okay. If they like Southern Gothic, I would recommend Desper Hollow or Sin Eater. If they're not into Southern Gothic horror, I would recommend Hellgate, which is my historical horror novel set in Coney Island in the uh, turn of the 20th century, because I love that book. Yeah. So, one of those three. And okay. definitely a bed. That's my recommendation. Oh, definitely a bed if you're going just looking for short fiction. Definitely a bed. Uh, or definitely my collection, It Watching. There's a story in there called Tintype, mm. and it's set during the Civil War in the Andersonville prison, and it's brutal. You nice. already I sold it. I just you. bought it. I just, like, <laughs> I just bought it yesterday. <laughs> uh, it, it's brutal, but it, it, I, I really felt that one. I nice. really felt that one. What are you working on right now? I am working on the seventh book for the Ameriscare series called um, Tennessee, the Winter Witch. And I'm also working on a new novel that I have been asked to write. And unfortunately, because of the editor, I can't say what it is yet. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) That's okay. Working on those. And um, I just turned in a couple of new short stories to, to... folks and we'll see what happens and how do people find you you have a website and facebook I had, presence. I had a website that just kind of was it was like this cumbersome mess so i took it down and i am in the process of making a new one so right now there is no website but what they can do is just find my author page on amazon and you can find most of the stuff on there nice. and they can also find me on facebook and twitter too right awesome well i want to pr- say again I, how much i appreciate you 
coming on and, and chatting with us. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. <laughs> this has been Black. Yay. Well, we are going to take a break, and we are going to be back in a second. Again, awesome. Again. Awesome. Fantastic. What's great is it's like questions occur to you that you've always wondered, and it's like, like writing questions. Right. And it's like every well, week. Well, it, <laughs> and, and you, 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 you have a plan, but then the conversation leads you elsewhere. Yeah. And, and it's, just a, it's just a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. What a, what a nice lady there. Uh, absolutely. I, I want to hang out and drink a beer and eat ribs with <laughs> Elizabeth Massey. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Moving on to second hour stuff. People who died. Uh, we're going to start with Mirka Mora. She was an artist and an Australian cultural figure. My Facebook friends from Australia were really affected by yeah. this woman's death. Uh, ditto. Um, yeah. The folks that, that I only know through Facebook, but they were, you know, they were they were like yeah, this is a big deal. Yeah, I, I there was something about her painting a streetcar or, or something or other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as a result, I I have made notes. I'd I'd love to see more of the work. I sure. I don't know anything about her. Uh, let's see. Michael Pickwode passed. He was a production designer on both Doctor Who and Withnail and I. Wow. Yeah. Fred Wayne. He, this guy was like TV character actor. Standard. He, but most notably, remember there was an episode where Be on Bewitched where they met Benjamin Franklin. Yes, he was Benjamin Franklin. He was Benjamin Franklin. Ruth Findlay, uh, held by many to be the godmother of New York Fashion Week. Oh wow. Um, Marie Severin, comic book artist, developed Spider Spider Man, Spider Woman. Uh, I'm sorry, Spider Woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another one of a lot of people in, that I interact with in the comics industry were really affected. They, yeah. they all knew her and they all loved her. Sure. Uh, Gary Friedrich, another comic guy who uh, he co-created Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Vanessa Marquez. This happened yesterday. She was an actress on ER. On ER, yeah. Who was having some kind of an issue, and she picked up a gun, and the cop, the police shot her. Yeah. Um, and it turns out the gun she picked up was a BB gun. Right. So there's some questions about... Well... You know, yeah. I, I, I you pick up a gun. I sit on both sides of that fence, and and it's it's you know, one. I I think the police need a better um, training program in dealing with people with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I also understand that like somebody pick if somebody up. picks up something that. Resembles a gun. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't like some kid who was holding a basketball. Right. And you said, you know... Yeah, yeah. She was definitely in, in distress. It was... It and was had... Yeah. Yeah. She was having some type of an episode. And it was in the middle of the day. It mm-hmm. wasn't late at night where it was dark and right. hard to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's horribly tragic and on all sides. On all fronts. Even, yeah. even the policeman who... Shot her, I would think, would be yeah, effective. Uh, Susan Brown, she was an actress on General Hospital. Oh man, General, General Hospital is such a. She was on a lot of things. Past. She was on, um, an, an, I want to say, Another World and a couple of others. Mm. Uh, and then finally, Silvano Campego. He was an Italian poster artist. He did the lobby posters for things like Casablanca, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Singing in the Rain, Gone with the Wind, Gone with the Wind, the iconic Gigi, the red yes. splash. Yeah, 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 this yeah. guy, when you do- dig even a little deep onto this guy, yeah. it's fucking amazing yeah. work. And then finally, uh, within the last day or so, they held the funeral for Aretha Franklin. Right. And at the funeral, um, it was it had it became revealed that Gladys Knight is has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's not good. No, that's not um, It's ironically, it's the exact same thing that got um, Aretha Franklin. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll be talking about Gladys Knight at some point. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Moving on to news. Uh, Guillermo del Toro Scary Stories. The Scary Stories for yep. whatever it is, the rest of it. Started, has started shooting. Cool. So expect that in a year or so. And the um, the word is that the production design for the characters is exactly what you saw on oh, cool. those covers. Oh, that's so very cool. So we're, we're, we're seeing... That makes me smile. Replications of what you saw in those drawings. Because those drawings are nightmare fodder. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, The Rock, there's rumor that he was doing this Big Trouble in Little China remake. Yeah. uh, In an interview, it was revealed that it's a sequel set in the same universe, and the director said, quote, there's only one person that can play Jack Burton. That's cool. But I also feel like if you really feel that way, why are you doing this? Why are you not casting you, Kurt Russell? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as I said on Facebook, the only way this works is if they get Kurt Russell to pass the torch. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And The Rock is just not... Okay. You know, I think people who listen probably think that I don't like this guy mm-hmm. as an actor. That's not true at all. Um, I just hate the projects that he's doing. You know? Well, yeah, but for every good film, there's a tooth fairy. Right. You know exactly. So it's like, you know, it's okay to say no, Dwayne. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wolf Creek, the the star of Wolf Creek, John Jarrett, 
Um, charged with uh, rape from the 1970s. I saw that. That is intense. That's not good. No. Yeah. And do you know? And then it and then it brings up that question. Then do you do you not ever watch Wolf Creek again? Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. Yeah. hard to hard to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie Murphy is having his tenth kid. So okay, right on. <laughs> Eddie Murphy's. Uh, Dolomite movie is yeah done. They're or looking almost done? yeah almost done. They've been leaking photos of <laughs> from the set and it looks pretty fucking cool. Awesome. Michael man. Jai White yeah. and his weird like he's got a part in his hair on one side <laughs> of his afro. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. weirdest thing looking ever, man. And it just looks amazing. It does look amazing. I'm, I'm excited. I'm so in. Uh, so they're they're starting to promote this Roseanne series without Roseanne uh-huh. called the Connors. Yeah, and uh, John Goodman said in an interview that they they're they're planning to kill off Roseanne. Oh, wow. off her own show. Wow, that's heavy. That is heavy. It's not without its precedent. You know, sure. Someone, you know, whatever. Look what they just did on Lethal Weapon. They replaced that guy with um, the dude from the run rundown, Michael or Sean Michael Scott. Oh, they replaced that dude that was causing all that trouble on set. Uh huh. Anyway. Did they did they kill his character? I don't know what they did. I think they just literally said, "Hey, Riggs," and it's and it's, <laughs> so and it's got this guy. Well, uh, the series they him that for years. They yeah. daring him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, Matt Smith, who is Doctor played one of the Doctor Who's, was cast in episode 9. Star Wait, Wars. what? Oh, so okay. Mar doc guy that plays Doctor Who. Yeah. Going to be a character, be a in, character episode in episode 9. Okay. Uh, Netflix released the first images from The Haunting of Hill House. They're cool, but they're unenlightening. They look like a a, pic a pictorial from Architectural Digest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just, look at this cool house. Yeah. Um, Louis C.K. did a unannounced comedy set Went into, I think it was Caroline's in New York, uh -huh. and asked somebody that was in charge, can I go on? And he went on, and he did uh, a set, um, which included a couple of rape jokes, which I think is tone deaf at best. Well, I mean, did, I, I you know, it makes me wonder, like, the, did he address what... Didn't address it at all. However, there are those that are arguing that it's, it's... It's the same thing. People that he's been, been doing, he was doing before. People sure. went and paid for a comedy store. They didn't pay to pay to see Louis C.K. And he just kind of showed up and said, "I'm going to do this set, and you guys are going to kind of have to watch." Yeah. And how familiar is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? yeah. So I don't know. I don't know when. When is here? It? I am masturbating. Yeah. And you're going to have to. Yeah. Yes. In essence, yeah, stand yeah, yeah. up. Mm -hmm. It's been compared to masturbation sure. a lot of times before. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. How much contrition is some would be nice because I'm not seeing right. any here. Yeah. So moving on, HBO has quietly dropped their entire erotic programming. So no more of those like late night. Late night. Uh, what we used to call uh, how? What was what's the other? Uh, like Cinemax. Cinemax, yeah, yeah like Skinemax and whatever yeah. else, yeah. Uh, but the, they're dropping the all of it. And stuff, yeah. So gone are things like real sex, and I don't even know uh, if they, that's really well. A real thing yeah, anymore. and they had like a, they had like a swingers reality yeah. show. Yeah, and, they're and getting rid of all that stuff. Okay. 
let's see. For Halloween, Kellogg's has changed its mascots into Universal Monsters. <laughs> yeah, that's that was so fucking rad. I was just like, oh, not only did they do that, but the paintings are fucking cool. They're very cool. Yeah. Very cool. The only thing that would have been better is if they actually commissioned well-known horror uh, right. artists to do them. That yeah, would be absolutely. really great. Uh, another food-related. Carl's Jr. is selling Fruit Loops flavored mini donuts. Why we're talking about it, I don't know. I'm just. It makes me laugh. It, it comes in a container, and there's like five or six donuts, and they're all covered in this different. I'll tell you why. Because we both partake of the weed, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> <That's why>. And <laughs> donuts. Yeah, I mean, um, there is an an animated Wild E. Coyote movie coming. And I couldn't be happier. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I'm assuming it's going to be CGI. Probably. Yeah. It'll probably look like that new animation. But yeah. I think what would be really would be cool is if you pull like a like an Enter the Matrix on it, where you give it to like anime artists. Yeah. Let let everyone kind of go crazy with it. I, I want to get inside Wiley e. Coyote's head. That's that's what I want. That's I, a great thing. Yeah, I want to get just like, the ennui, like well, just <laughs> like you know, this examination of obsession, you know. Only if, if the Roadrunner is his his white whale, you know. Yeah, I I only if his voice, well, he doesn't have a With, voice, but his interior well, monologue is said by Werner Herzog. Well, and there I mean, are there are a couple of car. There are a couple of episodes where Wiley Coyote he does speaks. speak. Yeah, and he but speaks with this cultured English oh, accent. That's hilarious. He's explaining, you know, again, Werner Herzog, <laughs> just perfect. the angst of it all, and just the horror of existence, knowing that. Yeah, I mean, I saw Werner Herzog and uh, Jennifer's watching like reruns of um, uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah, and and the <laughs> Herzog shows up. <laughs> yeah. Chris Pratt and and uh, Aubrey Plaza are going to get a house. Werner Herzog is the guy selling the house, awesome. and he's like talking about how it's haunted. <laughs> it's like, he has like they're laughing, and he has no no idea, no expression. Yeah. Uh, more Dwayne the Rock Johnson news. Uh, Robert Zeme Zemeckis is doing a film called King, and the Rock is going to play King Kamehameha from Hawaii. Okay, Polynesia. finally something that makes sense with this guy. Right. This makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. can't do more on a two. Right. So let's do Command <laughs> Man. Uh, Big Mouth, the uh, Nick Kroll, John Mulaney animated series on Netflix got a second season, and okay. I'm excited. It's really, it, it's a great show that is. It's super nerdy, and and it's about poop and masturbation and puberty and just an absolute riot. Uh, okay. I was happy to see that it had. Uh, it's 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 basically it's kids. It's kids, like, yeah, like yeah. fifth teenagers. grade, fourth, fifth grade, oh, okay, okay. maybe even a little puberty, later than that. Puberty, they're they're getting okay. puberty. Yeah, and, um, and these things that aren't actually big in their head are are being addressed. Yeah, as, yeah. and they they each have like these monsters in their room that are their they they're symbolic of their lust. Sure. And uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the girl in it, is, hers is played by Maya Rudolph, and the boys is played by um, Jason Manzoukas. Okay. It's great stuff. Uh, Kerry Fukunaga says he left it because, quote, I wanted characters, they wanted archetypes. Well, here's my thought on that. Yes. Because I, I read that. I think it's probably a good thing that Kerry Fukunaga left. As much mm -hmm. as we like him... 
King is best done if you follow what King mm -hmm. did. When you start messing with it and follow changing it, it, that's when it goes awry and it just isn't that good. And what does King do? He does archetypes. His yeah. characters, you love them because you get you get introduced to them for so long. Mm -hmm. But in the end, they are archetypes. Especially a story like it, where you have this misfit and that type of misfit, right. and this you, you, you they they need to be archetypes. And I am ashamed to say I still haven't seen the new it. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I did. But I but from everything I've heard, it gets it right. Yeah, it's way better than the um, than the moon series, which, which is saying something because I loved it. You know, I love the book and I love. I, uh, to be honest, I love the mini miniseries better than I did the book mm. because I, I didn't have to deal with the turtle, and uh, and the the sex stuff thing and yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Suspiria two, already in the works. Weird. Okay. In an interview, the screenwriter said that he absolutely hated the script on the on Argento's film. And I agree, that script is a mess. That's, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, speaking of sequels, Paramount is writing A Quiet Place 2. Right. They just started that. Um, we talked about Aretha Franklin passing. I noticed this in an in a, in a article through pictures. You know that while she was lying in state, i.e. laying there for the viewing they did a costume change they did three they did three costume, costume changes. changes yeah amazing that is amazing that is I, and, I'm learning and so it, much and, about her and also so appropriate mm -hmm. like like you know oh yeah you know talking about queen of something absolutely and, yeah. and she not only deserved it she demanded it well this article I just read this this uh, morning was talking about how she wouldn't go on until she was paid in cash. Oh, kind of like uh, Chuck Berry. Chuck, Chuck Berry. Yeah. So in her contract, it says that the the promoter will hand her twenty five thousand dollars in cash, which she put in her purse, and that's why she took her purse on stage with her all the time. Yeah. That purse was always within her line of sight. Yeah. Because she'd seen what the way her co-artists um, people would get ripped off. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that is such a gangster move. Yeah. That yeah, just absolutely great. Her funeral and McCain's funeral um, today were just riveting. Yeah. Um, you can find most of the highlights out there. On I'm sure Facebook. someone will make a mashup. Um, Game of Thrones producers are doing a film or a series called The Swarm, and it's not it's not about bees. Bees. It's about animals. It's almost like when animals attack kind mm -hmm. of a thing, or Day of the Animals, or that right. kind of thing. Right. Um. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Give I mean, it a shot. We haven't had one of those in a while. No, we haven't had one of those in, in a long while. We had a lot of them a lot. at one time in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, why not? Uh, September 7th. It's got to be better than Zombies. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was on Netflix a while ago. Uh, September 7th to October 31st is Disneyland's Halloween time. Oh. So that's, they're revamping, um, 
Haunted Mansion. They were revamping the entire park to be Halloween. Sure. That, and that's always great. We that's, went, a, that's, that's so much fun. We used to go every year when we lived down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Target has sets of these beautiful Universal Monster greeting cards that are, they look watercolor, I want to say, mm-hmm. but they're unbelievable. Cool. Uh, any any love given to the Universal Monsters? Yeah. I'm, I'm first in love. Yeah, these are these are stunning. Um, Village Voice folded, the long held yeah. magazine in New York. Village Voice yeah. folded. Uh, it was announced this week that Craig Nicotero, Greg Nicotero is doing the effects for Spawn. You know, talking about Village Voice real quick, I'm still mourning the loss of Crawdaddy. That's how. That's how. Crawdaddy. How. Cream. Yeah, cream. Oh my oh God. Those, yeah. Uh, some of the best writing. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, it's like the Screw. It's like all the alternative magazines yeah. of, of the past. They were so good. Uh, Nicotero doing Spawn. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, that guy could blow his nose on a piece of paper and I'd be in yeah, well. to watch it. <laughs> um, I, I'm excited for... You know, Spawn is one of those maligned movies. It, it, like, people kind of poop on it, but... Uh, I liked not, it. It's not bad. I thought it was cool. John Leguizamo is great. He was Melinda great Clark in Clark is Michael hot J. as White is like... Fuck. Dude, Michael uh, Jai White is... Kicking ass, even buried under latex like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, um, yeah, it's great. Martin Sheen is great. It's, I, I don't, yeah. I've never understood why it got the backlash that it mm-hmm. did. People uh, always point to the cape, the super yeah, CG cape, but it's like, all right, well, yeah, it, it, was, it was the nineties. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it was. yeah. Have you seen the what else was being done? At yeah. The yeah. Go back and look at. Uh, <laughs> go back and look at. Uh, the movie Anything. you hold so dear in your hearts, The Last Starfighter. Oh, yeah. yeah and look right. at that CG work. Yeah. Watch how their lips move. <laughs> um, it was announced that uh, December 2019 is the release date on this big budget Andrew Lloyd Webber Cats thing. Taylor Swift is in it. James Corden is in it. There's a ton of people. Uh, it's a movie? Yeah. Okay. So it's gonna it's being directed by the guy who did Les Mis. Oh, okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying sure to remember fine. who the f- they they announced. Oh, Jennifer Hudson is in it. She was cast as Griselda. Okay. Or Grisabella or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. her name right. is. Um, that cat. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. Hopefully it, it'll be when 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 stuff like this is done. It, what I really dig about it, it's kind of like whenever Tim Burton did. Um, uh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Uh, like, I remember, um, you know, people going, oh, I really like this. I'm like, you need to check this out and mm. send them back to the Angela. Um, gosh dang it. What's her name? Murder, oh. She Wrote. Oh, Angela Lansbury. Oh, Lansbury. oh yeah. yeah. Angela Way Lansbury. The Lem Carry like, You, oh, uh, Angela yeah, Lansbury yeah, oh, is my the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it and it awakes all this um, hopefully yeah uh, interest in in the original yeah. you know productions. Um, the the cool thing about a cast movie is is that you can see the play and not have to do with those actors all in the crowd <laughs> purring and rubbing against you and shit. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, as long as it's better than Les Mis or it's is as good as Les Mis and it's better than Into the Woods. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And way better. By default, it's going to be better than like Mamma Mia or one of the other musicals. That sure. Shit, they're calling musicals. Anyway, po- speaking of uh, buying shit, Pottery Barn is launching a quote-unquote, in their words, massive 
Harry Potter promotion. I've seen pictures and it's nuts. If you're if you're a Harry Potter fan, this is you. You're gonna love this. Hopefully you saved your pennies because there's a shit ton of stuff. It's a shit. You ton can turn your whole at least a whole room. Yeah. Into into a room out of Hogwarts. Hogwarts, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, um, not too far from here, um, Neil Young, who's 72, married Daryl Hannah, who's 57. Yeah! They were wow. just up on the islands. Yeah. They were out in the Puget Sound, and uh, uh, you know, I, it, on one hand, it doesn't surprise me. Daryl Hannah was either married to or just... Married to Jackson Brown. Married to Jackson Brown. So so she likes the, the folk mm-hmm. guys, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember when when Neil Young got divorced from his wife of many 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 years. Um, uh, you know, cool. I'm glad people. I are think it's happy. great. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, um, uh, does Daryl Hannah act anymore? A little tiny bit. She's uh-huh. mostly doing con- conservation stuff and okay. you know that kind of stuff. Um, as much as say as Rosanna Arquette does. Sure. You know, the, sure, her sure, peers sure. at the time, they act. She Would it be mean stuff. of me to say, was she acting when she made Splash? Or <laughs> <laughs> she was good in um, Clown of the Cave Bear. She was good in Splash. Yeah, she's, she's great in so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Iguana. Yeah. Right at the Blue Iguana. Right? Yeah. Moving on to trailers. Uh, a Private War. Rosamund Pike, Jamie Dornan, Stanley Tucci. It's a bio on journalist Marie Colvin. Yeah. Um, you might as well start polishing the Oscars now. It looks great. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and what a cool story. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this lady lost an eye. Yeah. And it, uh, they are so. They, this could have been so dolled up, like mm-hmm. you know. But she is. It's not smoking, and she's got an eye patch, and she's just like, just some great. Exactly stuff. what you would think a war journalist. Yeah, would be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's great that that her stories and having to deal with that constant thing of like you're constantly in fear for your life. You don't yeah. want to be there anymore, but you are also compelled to go back to it. Yeah, she keeps going again. back. She talks about that in the trailer. Yeah, and even you know the idea that uh, uh, it's every bit as dangerous for this person as it is for a male journalist. Yeah. And then you add rape. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. It, the, it's, it's just harrowing. It's, it, it, this looks fantastic. It mm-hmm. looks good. And this is, you know, and that's unusual for me because, as we've talked about in the past, I like green war movies, not mm-hmm. brown war movies. This is a movie that I, w- I want to see. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Up next, At First Light, Teen Girl Acquires Powers. I, I'm going to put a la Chronicle. Where suddenly uh, she's lifting things. and Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, it looks... It's like everything that's made now. It looks fine. Yeah, it's, it's just MTV like, horror. It's it's so derivative. I liked it better when it was Fighter Starter. Yeah, like I like we've seen this story a hundred times. Yeah, she developed some kind of telekinetic powers. And guess what? Everybody's want everybody, everybody wants, wants her. Yeah, everybody. So so the government and bad guys and whoever everyone's chasing her. And of course, some poor guy gets involved. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I it it um I thought some of its conceit was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I agree. How she gets the powers, I think, is interesting. Yeah. Because it's, it's something about she's swimming or yeah, something. There's, there's some light. Some. I don't know. Cosmic horror thing going on. Actually, I don't know. 
Uh, up next, await further instructions. <clears throat> a family get together like a Christmas dinner, and then suddenly they get their all the windows get sealed up with some black something or other. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, it's in England. Girl is bringing her boyfriend home to meet the grandparents. It looks like boy is bringing oh, his, oh, his girlfriend, girlfriend home, okay, okay. who happens to be from either India or Middle Eastern. Right. And there's you know, a racist grandfather, grandfather, blah, 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 blah. So, it reminds me... And then me, I don't know what the fuck's going yeah, on. It reminds me of things like American get, Zombie. Get Out. It re- get Out. It reminds me a little of Right, uh, right at, at Your Door. Uh, um, uh, it's a, it's the Romarian. It's a, it's a house. It's a house under It's seat. a pressure cooker. Yes. And we just watch characters bounce yeah. off each other. Uh, it has something to do with Game? Something. Aliens or something observing them or uh, something or other. But it looks like there's a tentacle. Something with tentacles. Yeah, yeah. so I was excited about that. There's a tentacle, damn it, so I'm going to. But yeah, this looks fine. Yeah. This looks. It looks looks better than at first light. Yeah. Or I guess at at first light is also being marketed as first light. So it's Uh, as well. And also, also, uh, for whatever reason, it made me think of Pontypool. Yeah, yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Up next, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s directorial debut about an ex-boxer that gets involved in some crime. It's called Bayou Caviar. This looks good. Yeah, it does. It looks really good. Um, it's he. He's a he's a washed-up boxer. Yeah. Um, and he's got a boy who is boxing, mm-hmm. I think, and um, it's dealing with. Um, it's not only dealing with whatever he's got, the the Cuba, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. character has going on, mm. but also what's happening between this father and son, right. and and by extension the rest of the family. And uh, it looks really good. You it know, looks way better than I expected it. People to. forget, you know, before the the dog movies and stuff, yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. was a he's a hell of an actor. Yeah, he's a hell of an yeah, actor. And his dad was a was a monster too. He yeah. was one of the whisperers. Yes. Um. Next. A movie called uh, Five Finger from Marseille. It looks like a man who killed two corrupt cops as a teen returns to his village to f- to face some new threat. This is the second movie, the second foreign film I've seen uh, uh, um, a trailer for and stuff about in recent history that is essentially a spaghetti western mm-hmm. but it is in this other locale. The yeah. other one I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it's a it's a, a an Indonesian uh, mm-hmm. film. Uh, this looks really cool. Yeah it does. Uh, I want to say it's taking place in and I don't know this for sure Sierra Leone? Yeah. Or maybe uh, Sudan or something. Somewhere. They're speaking French. Yeah. Um, and uh it looks badass. I mean, it it it, it looks. It reminded intense. me of things like City of God and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that City of God? Is that the one about the South, South American? American? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Reminded um, me of that, but but with bullets and shit. And, yeah, and it looks really cool. Um, there was a couple bullet hits. There's that one like guy, sh- crazy shock. The guy yeah. behind the barrel. Yeah, that's exactly Bam! what I'm thinking like, of. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Up next. This made no sense. Hugh Jackman is Gary Hart in a movie called The Front Runner. So this is Hugh Jackman's. He wants an Oscar. Yeah, I guess. I and 
I, you know, I was watching it and I'm like, you know, I saw all this happen, yeah. play out live. I don't feel like this movie is giving me. It's not like, um, it's not like, uh, 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 what's the Nixon movie? Uh, uh, Frost Nixon? No, the uh, president's. All the president's men. All the president's men. It's not like that where we're getting additional information or you know or, or seeing a behind a backstory yeah. other than his relationship with him and the, and the woman. I, I, I just don't under I don't get why we need this movie. Yeah, it's it it's it reminded me in that mu- frame of mind mm-hmm. like Chappaquiddick that just came out a couple yeah. months ago. Like why who it's called like, for this? Yeah, we know this already. There's been a million documentaries about it. This thing with Gary Hart, I guess the the notable thing is that it's the first time that we've seen like a single scandal tear somebody down. Yeah, it was it, one uh, of the first. Yeah, Vera Farmiga is the wife. Wait, and 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 know? so it's just gonna bum me out. Yeah, you know because because nobody nobody he was done. He was done after he was this, done. and and he shouldn't have been. Yeah, and that's what I guess that's. Maybe that's the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, up next, a really short trailer for the My Dinner with Hervé thing that yeah. Peter Dinklage is doing. So this is Peter this Dinklage playing um, Hervé Balachez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it looks great. Granted, we saw all of, what, 30 seconds of it or whatever It's it a is. real quick trailer. It's super quick. Um but man, that looks great. Not only, not only are you going to get a great performance because Peter Dinklage is a top-notch actor. Uh, he's going to be able to bring to that role, yeah, no other actor. Some insight that no yeah, other, yeah, yeah, only yeah. a little person actor will be Absolutely. able to do. Um, and he's, and what's great to see there are these scenes of him in that weird bold cut, yeah, tattoo hair yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and Dinklage is just. Eating it up, and he's got the accent down, down. Dude. Yeah, it's like yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited for this. Uh, up next, uh, director Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen's brother, yeah, directing a movie called The Public about uh, a library. It's a true story: a library that opened its doors at night to the homeless because um, they were freezing. To this death. looks amazing. I, I I used to work security in public library here mm-hmm. in town, and. That's a real issue, and as employees of the library, you're 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 thinking of serving the public, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of your public are the homeless, yeah, and and all that comes with that, whether mm-hmm. it's mental illness, whether it's bad behavior, whether it's whatever, uh, whatever, whatever it might be, um, and you you you're you're blind if you don't realize that part of your um, service to the community is that you're providing shelter for people. Mm-hmm. This looks amazing. Yeah, it looks I, great. Um, Did you see uh, Estevez directed a film about the Robert Kennedy assassination no. as well? This was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a feature? Yeah, and yeah. it had, it was it was the incident told through a dozen or so, two dozen different mm. characters, and it was great. Um, who knew that the, the Men at Work guy was a but the guy from uh, <laughs> from Repo Breakfast Man. Club, yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I love Repo Man. I, I need to go back and rewatch that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this looks great. I, yeah. I absolutely agree. Up next, film called Sorry for Your Loss. It's a film on grief with Elizabeth Olsen, and this looks great. 
Yeah, um, it, and it's it's you know if anybody's been in that situation where you're embarking on your mm -hmm. new adventure of life with that with the one, the one person, mm -hmm. and they're taken away from you. Yep. And how do you, how do you? Yeah, and adjust? I think I'm happy to see this because I think it opens that discussion up. Yeah. Because as Americans, we don't have that discussion. No. Too often. No. So there you go. Up next, Weird War. All a, I'm going to say the Outpost or that. What was that? Andy Circus bunker movie we talk and keep talking about. Death Watch. Death Watch. Yeah. This is a movie called Trench Eleven. We in in fact we did a trailer not too long ago about Weird War stuff where uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but they 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 go down and they find this Nazi yeah uh, bunker and shit's going on. Well, this is the same story premise. This looks badass. It looks great. This looks great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like some, you know, it's brought up in the trailer. Why is this place closed off? You know, the war's still going on or just ended. Uh -huh. Why is it closed off? It's because there's bad shit there's down there. There's some shit down there, That yeah. you don't want getting out. Well, it's a, bu it's a bunker that, that is 20 miles um, behind their enemy lines, yeah. and they're like, "Why are they maintaining this bunker?" It goes like bunker? a hundred, uh, hundred feet deep yeah. into the ground. There's like four stories. Yeah, and it looks great. There is some parasitic worm shit going on in there that I'm just yeah. like, there it looks uh, harkens to like the thing. The, the first thing, the, well, thing the first thing I thought of whenever I saw this trailer is like, I've got a message, Paul Komodo. I know. Gonna dig this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, up next, uh, Maher. Mahershali Ali, uh, first trailer for True Detective season three. Yeah, looks good. It looks good. Uh, I I had no. They're one for one. I had no desire to watch the second one. Um, this looks great. Yeah, this looks I, really good. This looks like um, it, it and much like the first season, um, it looks like somebody kind of going back because we get those. We get those flashes back and forth between him as a young guy, and then I'm assuming him as an old guy, mm -hmm. kind of going back and forth, and uh, a particular case that is haunting him, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of the same thing with the first season one. Yeah, exactly. The stuff that made the first season so great. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I'm totally in. Yeah. And then finally, um, Terrence Stamp has a minuscule role in this thing, Viking Destiny. Uh, I, I don't. I don't really know what's going on. Don't either. Other than... She's a badass. She's a badass, and she is the rightful heir. Yeah. Uh, you kind of... If I'm in... Viking action. Yeah. Is. If I want to get my Viking on, this sounds this perfect. Looks, uh, yeah, this sounds, sounds fantastic. I like the female protagonist. Yeah. I like the fact that it, it's... You want to watch a realistic take on Red Sonja. Yeah. This might be... This might... Yeah. Sab your wounds. Yeah. Uh, but all in all, not a bad week. Yeah. Um, I threw out a ton of stuff. Most horror film trailers these days, dude, are awful. Yeah. They're well, just most horror films these days are awful. It's fucking killing me. Um, what have you been watching? Uh, have I been watching anything? Um, not, no. I've, I've not watched anything we, since the last time that we talked. Yeah, we watched... We <laughs> uh, we watched... We're watching season five of the Great British Break Show, my wife and I. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're enjoying the fuck yeah. out of it. Oh, they, okay. have, they have... They replaced everyone except for Paul Hollywood and um, this new guy, Noel Fielding. He was in... Um, 
a lot of some British sitcoms, uh, is they're amusing and charming, and it's a nice way to eat your dinner and. Like what people make cakes. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> what are you eating? Don't laugh at me. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing near you. I <laughs> Go ahead. What are you reading? Um, uh, again, nothing. I like. I've had so little time for um, extracurricular stuff, but I do have something I've been listening to. Okay, let me just bang these Absolutely. out really quick. Uh, I've had I've been sick the last not sick I hurt my back the last couple of days so I've been laying in bed so I've been kind of floating between these around these four books that sure, I've been sure. reading number one Thomas Cleary's Zen and the Art of Insight hmm. it is what it is it's a Thomas Cleary book so it gets a little heady uh, Earl McRouch's novelization of the adventures of Buck Rubanzai across the eighth dimension right which I, you said was really good I had forgotten how good that is if yeah. you like Buck Rubanzai Get the, get this book. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, Harry Turtle loves Conan of Venarium. Um, it's a prequel of Conan as a young boy, yeah, teenager kind of a thing. Which is which is always great. I loved those early yeah. Howard stories. Yeah. Conan's. This is set before the earliest story, and I want to say that's the thing in the crypt, in the crypt. Right. Where so he's, he's so he's like maybe what? He's maybe 12, 15, 13, 12, 15, 14, yeah. 15, kind of like that. Yeah. And then finally, don't ask me why, but I picked up a book. It's four short stories by Ian Fleming, two of which are Octopussy and Living Daylights. Oh. And um, I uh, he's huge paragraphs, paragraphs that go on for two pages. Wow. And um. But it's solid. It's solid writing, especially yeah. because it's informed. Because he knew a lot about, you know, being right. spies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good stuff all the way around, and it got me through my back being hurt. Good. Um, music, you were saying. And we'll um, I've been. Uh, it's not out yet, but it, th- there's bits and pieces. I think there's three singles out so far of Allison Chain's new mm-hmm. um, album called uh, Rainier Fog, and they just did a uh, live. I don't know, I guess CD uh, release party, for lack of a better word, uh, up in the Space Needle, of all places. Nice. Um, and they performed up there, and it was it was really cool. It was, and uh, I was listening to, I was listening to a broadcast of this event, and uh, it was it was cool to hear them. You know, Alice in Chains more for me more than any of the other bands that came out of the grunge scene in Seattle. Uh, had uh, this calamitous, dusty sound that totally jived with my all my Gothic Americana stuff that I love to listen to. Mm-hmm. And Lane's voice was this tortured, you know, fiddle that ran through all of it. And uh, I find it endlessly fascinating that they have been able to... They have shown that with a really, really, really good band, even though you have an iconic frontman, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that the band is gone when he leaves. For some bands, that's the case. Right. Um, Queen is never going to be Queen without Freddie Mercury. Agreed. Um, there, there are just some bands where... Oh, there's this Dire Straits thing going on right now where these guys from Dire Straits are touring. Well, without Mark Knopfler... Yeah, that's the reason... That? It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, why do this? Go... Go play on other people's stuff, because... It's like... Yeah. 
I can't. I can't imagine without Pat, that guitar and that voice. Patless Benatar. Yeah. <laughs> Just Neil Geraldo out there wailing. But these guys are able to to maintain it. Well, first of all, Jerry Cantrell sang on so many of the songs, and uh, so so it's never alien. Um, yeah, you are lacking that m- mournful violin of or, or fiddle of uh, uh-huh. Lane Staley's voice, but uh, the stuff, the new stuff I've heard, dude, it is, it's Alice in Chains. That's it's awesome. like it didn't change. It, no, they didn't feel the need to add a drum machine and you know try to. It, it, it's great. Yeah, it's, awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, let's see, running down this week. The big new Pricer's Valley of Shadows, super cool, ambient, great to go to sleep to. Brian Tyler's score for Yellowstone, this um, Kevin Costner Netflix thing. Mm. Yeah, file, file under generic soundtrack mm. music. Chris Russell Echo and Oliver Arnold's Remember are both ambient records. Um, there's a new Resonance record called I Am Resident, and if you're into the Resonance, you're going to love this stuff. Uh, Ramin Jawadi. We, this guy is making scores left and right. He had one last week, and yeah. now he's got this Jack Ryan thing. This Amazon By the way, thing. back up for a second. If you were going to describe the residents to somebody who, oh, has, easy. who has no idea, what it's would you say? four guys who don't know shit about music who picked up instruments and started playing. Mm-hmm. The premise was that when they became competent or comfortable with their instruments, they changed instruments. So it's super simple songwriting, but like their commercial album has 60 songs on it. They're right. all different and they're all one minute long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're a, they're a uh, acquired taste. If you like challenging yeah. music... Yeah, you listen to this and go, yeah. this is dumb, but then when you're like you're halfway through the record, you're kind of, it's like, they're musical ideas, almost like a musical sketchbook. Sure. In a weird way. Yeah. Um, Crack the Sky, unsung prog rock band from Pennsylvania, I want to say, or Boston. Uh Uh-huh. They have a record out called Crackology. It's a greatest hit. Sure. And a new record called Living in Reverse. These guys, imagine a prog rock Beatles um that's that has a that's really kind of odd they do a they do a plaintive almost love song called robots for ronnie about these parents that are talking amongst themselves about how no one likes their kid and they're going to have to buy a robot so that he has some sort of social interaction sure sure it's great stuff um so that out and then alice cooper um a paranormal evening with this is a document of the tour that just came through here right and it's great. Yeah. It's a greatest hits record, number one. And he's got this female guitar player yeah. that fucking screams. Yeah. It, she's pulling off like eruption kind of solos. I think it's uh, I think she's uh, uh, what's her name, Ariane? Something like that. So, yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I want to mention is a real downer is Alexander Desplat's score for um, Operation Finale. It's this. Gregory Isaac, Ben Kingsley, Nazi movie. Uh-huh. And it's just as generic as it comes. So that's that. That was all of this week. Damn. Um, thanks again to Beth Massey for coming on. Absolutely. Do we want to talk about next week? Uh, sure. If all goes well, yes. 
It's the return of Paul Komoda. Yes. With hopefully a guest who I'm not going to name, but I'm going to say... Keeping our fingers crossed. It's fucking cool. <laughs> It'd be fucking badass. And we're going to bring them all back, and we're all going to sit down, and we're going to go over in minute detail John Carpenter's The, the Thing. The Thing! Yeah. Yes! And it's and just... It's, uh, it's the perfect time. Fall, fall has arrived. Yeah. I'm excited. Just because I know that Paul's going to be ex- excited, oh. and having Paul be excited is going to be great. Yeah. Um, don't forget, Paul worked on the the thing prequel, the 2010 thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, sure we're gonna yeah. get that. And the the guest that we're talking about it worked on the original yes, the the Carpenter thing. Yeah. So very exciting stuff. And after that, uh, we got some great stuff coming up through September into October. We're booking returning guest month in November. We've got already guests scheduled for December. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I also have a line on a couple of people that if we get them, it'll be fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> so, <laughs> things are happening. Things are going good. Uh, please come to our f- Patreon page and, and become a patron if you can. We're going to start putting product up there or uh, content up there. Um, go to our Facebook page. Uh, I just was cleaning and found Carpenoctum 17 and did a quick video of what's like kind of a tour of it, of what was happening when the magazine the bottom dropped out of that so there's all that stuff a good time yeah absolutely. and one of the things I'm going to put a question mark and say a live bonus material I was just going to bring that up is that possible they're, 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 I think that is possible Tom I think in front of a crowd like a live audience yeah. yeah yeah we're excited yeah good stuff coming up please tell a friend and uh, thanks again to Beth Massey, and thank you guys for hanging in there and, 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 and taking a chance, not on the show, but also some of the guests you may not have heard of. But right. We're hoping that, 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 that whenever we have a guest on that you, you're unfamiliar with, that you go and you check out their stuff. Yeah, that the conversational yeah. spark an interest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. But we, we, we love you guys. So yeah. uh, that's it for the Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Curnow. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary. So what? Eat deal.